0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin leads the nation in the production of specialty cheeses, accounting for 47% of the total? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. I
0: like the
1: way you do Whoa, the way you took it so slow
3: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So it is almost spring here in Brooklyn, uh, save for another nor'easter that's apparently headed our way. But uh, in between these sudden bursts of snow and sleet... And wind, uh, I have been seeing some buds popping out here and there. So it's a good sign that, you know, spring and with that, a new season of produce is on its way. And with that, CSA season, uh, a blooming, you know, colorful farmer's market to shop at. So it is the perfect time to welcome Alana Ternilla back on air. Hi, hello! I'm so happy to be back. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, Alana is the author of the Homemade Pantry and the Homemade Kitchen, which we had and uh, on the show where we talked about on the show three years years, back, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, so Alana's new book is called Eating from the Ground Up, and she I love your style, Alana. Oh, thank you. You are a champion of eating simple, local. just healthful, simple vegetables, and making amazing things with them, like in the homemade pantry and the homemade kitchen to use throughout the year. Um, so, congratulations. Thank you. So, okay, let's, let's dive right into what eating from the ground up is all about. Um, on the cover, there is radishes. Mm-hmm, you roasting. start roasted radishes. Um, in a wonderful looking herby sauce.
4: Yeah, that's like a feta mint, lovely,
3: salty thing. Right, yeah. so it's like a pastel green, mm, yeah. nice and simple sauce. Um, you start the introduction talking about radishes mm-hmm. and how you worked at um, your local farmer's market for many years. And people would always ask about what to do with radishes.
4: Yeah, radishes are terrifying for people apparently (laughs) and I can understand they're sort of bitter and spicy and um and I think a lot you know it's amazing how we eat the vegetables that we eat in our lives or like whatever our parents fed us and then we don't ever touch the other ones Mm -hmm. and so often the farmer's market is one of those opportunities for people to have experience See, yeah. with new vegetables but often they need some help and mm-hmm. that was kind of I started working at the farmer's market now 10 years ago mm-hmm. or so and um, I found that the thing that I loved most about it was that I could be that help mm-hmm. and I was sort of learning along with them so big job. yeah yeah but it was like it was so inspiring to be able to say you know, you could see they were going towards that familiar like butterhead lettuce. And then Mm -hmm. it was like, they'd sort of hang out over by the fennel. And you're like, you know, I'd be like, have you tried fennel? Like, yeah, (laughs) Let me talk to you about it. Um, And it's funny, you know, that was really the beginning of my food writing career. Mm -hmm. I was working at the market and I was loving that conversation. And I was also, I was in my late 20s and I was totally lost in terms Mm -hmm. of what I was going to do with my life. And I was um, and, and I was doing all these other little jobs, but I was doing this work at the farmer's market and I was having a drink with a friend explaining my dilemma. And she was like, you should start a blog. You should, <laughs> you should start talking about recipes. And in the five minutes between that conversation and when I got home, I came up with the idea to call it eating from the ground up. And mm-hmm. I started it that night. Oh my gosh. And it took this long for that idea to become a book. This book. But it's really the heart of what got me started. Right. Just this... Yeah, what to do with a radish?
3: <laughs> what to do with a radish? And I, I think that it's a really great question because, um, you know, a lot of people would eat it just very, really simply, like just fresh, sure, and just bite it, and it's delicious. Or I feel like there's not a lot of middle ground. Like the other alternatives, people might think of is really chefy, kind of like high-minded, like gourmet preparations. Yeah, that, that are happens
4: so often with, with vegetables, right?
3: Right, with <laughs> <Yeah>. many vegetables. <laughs> So you offer this really great common ground. And I wish I had a farmer's market attendant who (laughs) could offer me that because I had on the other end of that, you know, shopping experience, I was, I was that customer who was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out on my own. and It's scary. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you know, that, that kind of, you kind of really prove that sometimes what you really just need is a person-to-person anecdote about how to cook something.
4: Yeah, and I feel like that's really how things, um, you know, how I learned, mm-hmm. and um, and it's true. And now, and, and it was amazing how, especially when I would develop relationships with people at the market, they would come back to me and tell yeah. me, like, I did this, and then I also You're did like, this. Let me try. Yeah, yeah, and it was, right. you know, that's where a lot of these recipes came from. And I just think people try to complicate things when it comes yeah. to vegetables. They Hide them in things, or they turn them into something else, or right. they bake them into things, overcomplicate them. <laughs> yeah,
3: they're so or, good though, or, or undercomplicate. Right. That's exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. so. I I would say that you know it's rare to see a book like yours because you know you came through this not as a chef, no, um, but as, you know your book and your blog really speak for you know your your kind of philosophy here. So yeah, I'm definitely a I don't home see cook. Too many. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah and I think. Um, you know, there are actually so many great vegetable books out right now. Mm-hmm. I think vegetables are totally having a moment and I mm-hmm. love that. Um, but I have, I, I feel like, you know, I love a good chefy vegetable recipe or um, I'm curious to see how people can turn vegetables into rice or noodles or whatever. But it's right. like it, the, the recipes that I think really make a difference are, you know, it's Wednesday night and you have a head of broccoli. Like, what are you going to do with it right now mm-hmm. for dinner? And yeah. so that's what I was trying to capture with this book.
3: Yeah, you write in the introduction that you know, yes, you can hide vegetables into a smoothie or hide them in the form of a noodle, right? <laughs> yep, or zoodle. Or a zoodle. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you know that. Um, but you know, you wanted to spotlight the vegetables. When they're just prepared sort of well, yeah. Do you think that a zoodle is not the best way to highlight a, a zucchini? You
4: know, I don't want to speak poorly of anyone's <laughs> okay. preference on how to prepare a zucchini, but zoodles is not the way I do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I feel like um, I like a good noodle myself.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> and and you know, it's not all about just. Um, needing to eat more vegetables, it's really about enjoying the vegetables, yeah. is what you're it's all trying about to the pleasure, for say, sure, right? Because yeah. your book is not strictly vegetarian.
4: Nope, nope.
3: But it's mostly vegetarian.
4: Yeah, and I think even you know, I lose, I use a lot of chicken stock um, mm-hmm. and those sort of ingredients, but all of them can be really easily replaced for vegetable stock, or you know, it's very easily right. adaptable if you're vegetarian or even vegan, although I'm a big fan of cheese. So I have to put that (laughs) warning out. And I think it's funny, I I talk about this in the book, but my younger daughter, when she she was actually one of my editors of this book, Rosie, yes, Rosie, she's, she's proved to be a pretty amazing reader. So and she was reading one of the last passes. And she was like, "Uh, Mom, I really think you should call this book vegetables with cheese.
3: (laughs) I was like, I don't know how well that's going to go over. <laughs> Actually, that could be, I mean, a very pared down, you know, honest title yeah, exactly. for a, a book that I'm sure a lot of kids would like, and grown-ups.
4: Yeah.
3: Or vegetables with fat.
4: Right, vegetables with fat, vegetables with dairy. Vegetables yeah. that
3: just need a little some help. Exactly. You know, I mean, it really
4: it. comes down to the fat and the salt and the acid. So all those, those three things are really going to make anything sing if you know how to use them.
3: Yeah. So you said vegetables are having a moment. Is that for health and sustainability and, you know... You know I
4: wish I could get down to the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think?
3: I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's not just a moment. Oh, yeah. But I, I think it's all, hopefully a greater, um, you know, awareness of vegetables tasting good. Yeah, you know, that's like my you. hope too. Yeah.
4: And I think also, I think it has something to do with the fact that we also have... A growing agriculture movement um, mm-hmm. that that involves farmers who are really excited to try new unproven varieties. Which mm-hmm. it, you know it takes a lot of courage for a farmer to to plant something that hasn't that's not proven, right? Um, because every single little inch of real estate is money. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think we have a lot of innovative farmers who are growing some incredible things and making those available to us, and we have to try them. Yeah. So that I think that's really lending it, lending to that moment, and you know I think health is part of it, but I hope that that's I kind of hope that's the passing piece of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I feel like. Uh, you know, when I eat something because it's healthy, it doesn't taste good to me. But when I eat something because it's <laughs> pleasurable, but it's thing so good. Yeah, it's
3: like. like <laughs> should, should we tell you that these recipes are not healthy? Right, and, and then, then maybe they're, yeah, it's funny like that uh, yeah. I just,
4: I, maybe it's, I was raised a health food new age kid, so mm-hmm. maybe I just, you know, I had uh, too many date nut bars or whatever right. to, but I just feel like when I focus on the nutrient
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, element of food it just it takes the pleasure out of it yeah of
3: it for me <laughs> so I'm curious like um wild vegetables you know a lot of chefs are doing vegetable forward menus and you know they're, they're doing you know we have access to amazing vegetables now as you mentioned mm. from farmers who are really um growing some interesting heirlooms and um varieties that you can get more and more and grocery stores and yeah, so forth anywhere really But what about um, the new sort of crop of future foods that are, you know, also sort of telling people that you can eat less meat by eating these meat replacement things. Mm. They're like a, you know, meatless burger that looks like a burger. And like, that's, that's a good way to reduce our meat consumption for, for health and sustainability.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, it seems, you know, it's funny because I feel like that's happening at the same time as soy is losing its glow. So Mm. These foods are now like these meatless burgers are now. You mean like tofu? And yes, stuff, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there's always this race to figure out new protein sources. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm really in, I'm really interested in kind of in these conversations around making the vegetable the center, mm-hmm. um, and sort of adding the meat or the protein as the side, because right. um, I, I I think that's
3: a great way to eat. And it seems like it is a great way to eat, but it needs a little bit of education definitely like as you've learned,
4: yeah, and it and definitely it goes beyond the cauliflower steak. I feel like a lot of times it kind of stops there. but yeah. um, and often it's about um, incorporating a couple of different dishes at the same time and mm-hmm. um yeah, and really learning how to use those fats in mm-hmm. a way to make the vegetables super satisfying. So, right. um, but yeah, the future f- foods, it's an interesting, I mean, I think, you know, right now, I feel like there's definitely a lot of motion towards going, you know, l- losing meat from our diet. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I'm i not sure where that's going to go.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of ways you could do that. Um, but I, it seems like the most simple way is to make something that looks like meat. Yeah. Or, you know, that what you're used to instead of having to kind of rewire your thinking around food. Yeah, which- I... Hopefully isn't too hard.
4: (laughs) I know it's I I, I've always maybe again, maybe my new age health food upbringing, but I'm I'm always resistant to the things that stand in the place of others. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. like I feel like um, I love you know, I love tofu because I love tofu like and I love to like I like, I like to make fresh tofu like the, you know and I don't like to think about it instead of chicken because right. it's not chicken so right. but I do think there's some really interesting innovations happening so I'm excited to try them yeah. as they
3: as they come so no gimmicks in this book no. you'll find that quote unquote steak nope no cauliflower steak no steak however you do have uh, I was curious about this one um <laughs> Just to get a sense of Alana's brain, um, (laughs) for the intro of Indian Spice Shepherd's Pie, Uh um, you write in the the head note for this recipe, when I come into a bounty of rutabaga, shepherd's pie is the first thing I make.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Because don't we all always come into a bounty of rutabaga? (laughs)
3: Actually no, I do see rutabaga and I want to make something with it. But right so
4: now there's and, yeah. yeah. And in the grocery store there's like piles yeah. of them right now and they're yeah. cheap.
3: They're so cheap. Yeah. I
4: yeah. I, find I, thought to, of right. <laughs> I find rutabaga to be shepherds pie I find inten- rutabaga to be really intense on its own, mm-hmm. but when it's um when oh, it's sort of mashed yeah. in and um, it goes really, really great with those Indian flavors. I love that mm. recipe. Yeah,
3: yeah. So strong flavors are a good complement. Yeah, exactly. And you're
4: adding a little bit, again, a little bit of the dairy and cream to sort of mm. temper the bitterness. And because mm-hmm. all those bitter vegetables, if you with the fat and the dairy, then that like the bitter turns to this silky deliciousness. It's those right. are my favorite flavors of vegetables, like broccoli rabe and mm-hmm. endive and. And uh, they, there's a magic that happens there when you add the right things.
3: Love it. And you're also decreasing the, or you're adding more vegetables to an otherwise meaty dish.
4: Yes. Which is a great way to do it too. Like if you're, you know, if you're used to having tacos with ground beef, you know and you're just like normally you would have like 2 pounds of ground beef right. you could substitute a pound and a half of that with vegetables and right? right. it's like you're still getting that meatiness but then you might have like zucchini and carrot and onion and uh-huh. all sorts of things in there and you're getting and it and there's more flavor
3: right so you don't have to choose between the beef tacos and the veggie tacos and make- combo exactly yeah. work
4: the vegetables in and mm-hmm. that's a really great way to think about that random zucchini that's sitting <laughs> in your fridge yeah. or like because so often vegetables they you know you throw them in the compost or the trash because they get withery and sad so the more dishes we can have where we can just like throw them all in that are more interesting mm-hmm. than vegetable
3: soup which certainly have has its place right um i think the better or also you have a smaller amount of beef but you have a bounty of rutabaga, exactly. You know, like, so <laughs> it goes hand in hand. But yeah, it just takes a little adjustment of thinking. Yeah. But yeah. Let's explore more of those recipes after a quick little commercial interlude. Take a sip from your.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese the Farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious Stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Szechua, which was named 2016's world championship cheese, and Satari's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. championship cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply, That produce the very best milk, fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
3: All right. That was a nice little uh, message from Wisconsin cheese. Mm, Wisconsin I'm sure Alana cheese. likes that. <laughs> You're dreaming up recipes. I'm during that about commercial now. Yeah. <laughs> Vegetables with cheese. <laughs> continued. No, eating from the ground up is the name of the book <laughs> Actually. and and the blog from that you've been writing since how long? Uh, 2008. Maybe? Wow. So 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, so I love how you demystify a lot of the shopping um, and the terms that we now see mm-hmm. around veggies. Um, first of all, how would you recommend to somebody like where to get your vegetables? Um, you know,
4: I think that it really changes depending on where you are and what and how you like to shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, the good news is that in most places these days there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, there are farmers markets pretty much everywhere at this Mm -hmm. point, at least once a week, um, close-ish to most communities. So that's always a good way to go. You know, their vegetables are fresher. The money's going right to the farmer. It's can be a fun social experience. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of good things about shopping at the market. Um, but then we have all sorts, we have grocery stores that are more and more having more focus on their produce departments that they're, you know, focus on fresh is, is really increasing in grocery stores. And then You know, also like international markets are like Asian markets, Indian markets, like those are really great places to get vegetables Vegetables, and often vegetables you can't find anywhere else Mm -hmm. or really interesting herbs. And I live in the country uh, in, you know, in Massachusetts and we don't really have that many resources, but I'll drive to Albany or to Hartford and Mm -hmm. like go to the Asian market. Yeah. You know, get greens. Yeah. So that's a really great thing to do, too. Um, So and then we have CSAs. Which I feel like, um, you know, CSAs are really great for a lot of families who or for individuals who um, are excited about having to deal with the things that they get and learning mm-hmm. about vegetables that right. way. Like you can't right. choose necessarily. So um, I know I love cooking through a CSA box myself.
3: Right. And your book is very CSA friendly because there's this uh, section in the back that is organized by ingredient or yes. vegetable. Yeah. And then the recipes that go for those ones. Yeah, I
4: really, you know, my hope for this book is sort of that it can hang out on the counter and that whenever there's a vegetable you need to deal with, you can open it up and find a recipe that'll sound good to you. So that was sort of the goal um, for this whole volume. And there's a lot for radishes. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I know. It's like, it's, (laughs) it's funny, you know, any book goes through such a process and, you know, I always have twice as many recipes as end up in a book. Oh, yeah. And, uh, And but when I so finally, you know, when it all comes down to it, you sort of look through and it's like, oh, huh, this is where we ended up. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I really like radishes and I really like cabbage.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Cabbage is uh, another one you you have a lot of fun recipes for. I
4: love cabbage. I love. Yeah. And it's cheap. So cheap. It's available all year round. It's delicious even in the winter. Um, And you can do so many different things to it.
3: So um, I love good. that it never goes bad too in the fridge. I know.
4: You can cut it in half and throw the half in the fridge and like you mm-hmm. have another two months before it even looks like it's right.
3: aged. <laughs> it's great. You it can make heaps of slaw, but I love your suggestion of using them instead of onions to mm-hmm. caramelize oh, slowly. Oh, soup is so good. Yeah. Caramelized cabbage soup. Caramelized yeah. ca- cabbage soup with like the French onion. Yeah, same cheese. treatment. Cheese. Right. <laughs> and the still <laughs> bread. see the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just caramelized
4: cabbage even before you turn it into soup is really great. It's great on Rubens, and, you know, any sort of situation where that kind of cabbage gets so sweet mm-hmm. like an onion when you caramelize it. So, that and just crunchy, delicious. Just as quick. Too yeah, yeah. It it's, breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
3: so good. It's a good trick. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so... Where was I? <laughs> uh, you have an interesting recipe here for cauliflower. Uh, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what was going on. Um it's called cauliflower hot wings with blue cheese dressing. Oh yeah. That's but it's not a wing, right? No, okay. and it,
4: so I guess I'm going against my own uh, <laughs> my own rule of not disguising one thing as another, but um you know that actually I uh, that came out of a really funny dish that I once ate that I was at a party and um, it was a very sort of, kind of, hip. We all sat on the floor, twenty of us, like eating lots of, you know. I want glu- to go to It was lovely, okay. you know, right. and sort of, and everything was sort of very otolengi focused, mm. and uh, most everything was gluten free and vegan and, and delicious, like lots of good cooks, and and uh, and we're all sitting there and and. People are just devouring this amazing like crunchy red cauliflower and trying to figure out what's in it. And is it Harissa? Is it this? Is it like mm-hmm. like it was the best thing? And this guy pipes <laughs> up in the corner and he's like, um, no, I, I, I fried it with white flour and Frank's hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone sort of was like, ooh, and I, I <laughs> <laughs> white flour. <laughs> I know. I know. It was really funny. <clears throat> I obviously kept eating it, but mm-hmm. I had to re I had to find a way to recreate it because it was so good. It's like this really deli- you know cauliflower gets all creamy and meaty when you fry it in but that way it stands way. up to the frying too really stands yeah. up and it's also really nice i'm not a big wing fan mm-hmm. um and my husband really loves wings i do too you like yeah. yeah i mean you're either but, there or you're not but yeah. i don't like the I, the I i'm not i'm not big into the bones of wings mm. I, so um i but i love the flavors mm-hmm. so i like to d- have cauliflower hot wings along with wings when it's when we're I can see how the thing.
3: shape would look very similar too. When you yeah. have that head—it looks like the drumette. I'm sure. Totally. When you coat it and fry it, and uh, you yeah. could fool somebody. Maybe. Yeah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun one. Um, you also have—you um, you mentioned that you can't eat eggplant.
4: Yeah, I've never been able to eat eggplant, but I have—I have, I have a, such a crush on it. I
3: really wish <laughs> that I could. I love that you have a crush on <laughs> eggplant.
4: It's so beautiful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. people love it, mm-hmm. but. Um, my grandmother couldn't eat it. I can't eat it. My husband can't eat it either. So like, um, I don't know what it is. like can't,
3: meaning what Like
4: happens? horrible stomach ache. Oh. Yeah. So okay. I can't, I can't do it. Well, thanks for providing
3: recipes for it. Anyway. Yeah, I had to. Yeah. my
4: My good friend, who is a, the recipe tester for this book, she contributed that recipe because mm. I was like, "Please." <laughs> and I've heard a few complaints that I don't have enough eggplant recipes in this book, but I hope people will forgive me for just that's very having hospitable
3: one. of you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. So, but this is really interesting, though. that eggplant dengaku. Yeah. Uh, it's a grilled eggplant with some miso um. yeah it's
4: like a japanese flavors mm. um miso and ginger and it's and it uses those really beautiful little um asian eggplants oh, the fairy oh, oh the fairy the ones, ones one. will okay. work too but mm-hmm. really those beautiful sort of they look like eels or something yeah yeah and um in the summer they're they're really easy to find and they're nice because i feel like big if i were to be eating eggplant big eggplants are such a uh, it's a real commitment.
2: <laughs> yeah. Whereas
3: these little beautiful, you know, you can just like eat one of those for dinner. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Any color will do too. Yes. I'm sure. But um, yeah, that sounds like a really, I didn't uh, know that uh, name for it, but it sounds like a super, all these recipes are super simple.
4: Really simple. And
3: I love how you have this section in the front that is like barely a recipe. <laughs> right. And it's just like <laughs> you know, caramelized Hakari turnips.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, pieces of a meal perhaps? yeah yeah absolutely
4: yeah. and really preparations mm-hmm. um and part of me you know it's like in a way that was really that chapter is it's the longest chapter and it's the heart of the book mm-hmm. it's like you know how to um you know the sort of the right balance of tamari and olive oil on broccoli to make it really really delicious how long does it need to steam mm-hmm. for and um yeah like how to pan fry Brussels sprouts. Right. That's you a know? good staple. Because I feel, like I said, it was like, it's like, you know, people know how to do what they know. Right. And right. then they don't know how to do the other things. So mm-hmm. I wanted to provide a resource so that they could know how to do all the things.
3: I love it. Like, you know, flipping through it, I'm like, that's something like I make, you know, I make something like that. Yeah. I like that. And then I'll see something that's like, what? I never <laughs> yeah. thought to do that. Oh, I'm so glad I'm <laughs> surprising you. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly the radish compound, compound butter. Uh, you've never done that? Well, I mean, I've eaten the radishes dipped in the butter. I'm so excited for you to try that. I know. I want you to tell me when you do that's, so that I can hear. That's out. an amazing idea. You kind of like took that idea and subverted it.
4: Oh, it's so good because you just chop up the radishes really small and you add good salt and a little bit of lemon. You could add a little bit of herbs if you want, but like the radishes, when they sit in the butter, mm. it all kind of infuses the butter. And then you can, no you can just spread that butter really thick on I'm bread bad. or whatever. And it's huh. the crunch and like it's a whole other experience oh. than just radishes with butter, which is a delicious thing. But it really it's like mm. integrates it into this beautiful I, yeah. product.
3: That sounds like an amazing way to integrate cuz I'm always trying to like pile more butter yeah. on that radish piece which is, you know, wet so it's falling off. I know off. it slides off, which yeah. is always a really <laughs> so big I'll problem get with like that on no. there butter. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like eating accidentally just a piece of butter <laughs> and it falls. <laughs> and then
4: you need to go again. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> so I mixed it all together into a compost yeah. spread. I didn't think that. It's yeah. Great. I love how you mentioned you can have some crunchy flaky salt that you mix mm-hmm. in there that like gives you more texture.
4: Yeah. uh, And a little lemon zest if you want. I mean, there's really, Mm. once you start, you can just keep adding things. Keep adding things. So good.
3: (laughs) Um, You have a little helpful GMO. Disc, uh, you know, breakdown here. <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel about how, you know, we should look at labels these days about organic or local mm-hmm. GMO? Well, it's hard, it's isn't it? It's yeah. like,
4: I feel like every day there's another label.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so my real focus is just in helping people to understand what those labels mean. Mm-hmm. My, you know, I think depending on our food budget or where we are or how we cook, you know, it's hard to say that there's a hard and fast rule for what you should decide at the grocery store. Like your priorities might be local and mine Mm -hmm. might be organic and someone else's might just be like, I need vegetables, like whatever I can afford Mm -hmm. and and get. So it's like, I feel like we get into trouble when we say, you know, all those 10 things you should never buy or this or that, because we're all trying to do our best.
3: Uh So labels change,
4: may change. Yeah. So I think the best thing we can do is stay educated about what they mean and what what does organic certification really mean? And what, what does that non-GMO butterfly stand for? And what's the conversation behind it? And, and then to sort of learn more about it and then make an informed decision and say, okay, I'm going to prioritize this over this. But I'm, I just really urge people to just go easy on themselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, if there, there should, if there are things that are important to you and I, there should be, um, then find ways to follow through. But it's, Sometimes it's easy to feel shouted at in yeah. this current
3: food climate and I am not I'm not into that. Well, what scares me a little bit is that that you know with all the clamor about GMO and maybe other legit, you know, pesticide issues and so forth mm-hmm. is that people might be f- scared away from eating more vegetables. Yes, exactly. Which is um, you know, uh, not the best idea for for a lot of reasons, but uh no, I, I, you could see how that, you know, all digging into these things and looking into labels would be a little bit scary it can be really <laughs> overwhelming i try yeah. to
4: break it down and sort of in a, a nice sort of overview of what you might see at the grocery store okay. and but i i do think it's 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 going to become a more complicated landscape so the best way that we can sort of arm ourselves against that is to just like take a breath and mm-hmm. just be like
3: all right i'm gonna do my best yeah <laughs> do your best just put cheese on it yeah <laughs> just <laughs> Wisconsin (laughs) cheese, even. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really kid-friendly book, too. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you have kids, so you know that it's kid-tested.
4: Yes. Yeah, and they really helped with this one because these are the recipes that we eat. And Mm -hmm. um, my kids are now teenagers. But, you know, these recipes have been building over the last decade. And um, they've been, you know, I really rely on them because they, they each have really different flavor palettes. Oh, okay. So I get really different feedback Huh. from them, which is great. What are their favorites? Um, you know, I'd say my younger daughter, Rosie, she's, she's a cheesy broccoli.
3: Okay. Cheesy broccoli. Yeah. Or which is really cauliflower just, cheesy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, cheesy broccoli is, is a, it's in the first chapter and it's this nice, simple, you just steam the broccoli Put cheddar cheese on it and put it in the oven. It's like a sort mm. of special, yummy. It's almost like broccoli nachos. Mm. Um, and then my older daughter, you know, she loves mushrooms, and and we don't. My my husband and my younger daughter are not mushroom fans, so mm. I try to like sneak mushrooms in to please my um, my older daughter. And there's a soup in there um, that's a shiitake barley soup, mm. which is a really nice cr- sort of like Winter-y. nurturing miso based. Um, barley soup where you you make a bit of stock with the mushroom stems and the leek Mm -hmm. stems which is really so satisfying
3: use all that leek, yeah and
4: um and that's a recipe that she really loves a lot um but uh but yeah the mushrooms
3: are in there for her for sure yeah i love that there's such a variety um and such a plentiful array of vegetables Mm -hmm. try to get them all in there yeah, so um, I hope everyone gets their hands on this book. It looks like that's about all the time we have for today. Yeah. But um, it'll be very handy for your CSA share or what's it? I don't know. Farmer's market flings. Or
4: your grocery store shop. Definitely. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us again, Alana. Oh, thank you so much for having me.
3: I love coming here. So We love Thanks. having you on. And uh, check out Alana's blog, Eating from the Ground Up. This new book is going to be such a practical, good one, good idea for a present for mothers, too, I think. Yeah, I think they'd appreciate it. Mother's Day coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have. Thanks, everyone else at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words.
0: Oh, I like the way you do. Whoa.